Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. This week has been interesting. Um, we just, and when I say we, I'm referring to myself and a few people um, here in the church. We just participated in a conference, um, the City Quake Conference, which we've been telling you about for quite a while. Um, talking about what it looks like to get out of um, our regular routine and show the love of Jesus. Um, we're going to be, I'll be telling you more about it, but we're going to be changing our Wednesday evening um, service time, and it's usually a prayer time. We're going to be doing something different, something exciting, something I hope that many of you decide to participate with over the next eight weeks. Um, and I want to share with something you something that I shared before. Um, and I was looking over what, what I was on my heart to share, and I kept thinking to myself, but you know, I, I've, I've said that. And I remembered an illustration someone gave. They said that, that a pastor actually did this, that he preached a message. And then the next week he got up and he preached the same message. And not a lot of people even noticed and then he preached the same message again. And then he preached the same message. And people started asking, and they says, hey, when are you going to change the message? And he says, well, when are you going to do it? And that's, that's not what I'm going to do, I promise. I'm not going to get in a rut. I'm not going to do the same message over and over again. But I am going to mention some things that I've mentioned before. Because how many of you realize when we come to church, what we're really doing is this is a coaching session for our Christian life and when we go out there. And sometimes a coach might have to repeat himself. Everyone's home. I mean, how many of you guys worked with a coach ever? Basketball, junior high, I don't care if it was peewee, t-ball. Did they ever repeat themselves? Yeah, yeah, they did. So I'm going to start with the story in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, this is a, a famous story in the Bible. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At 3 in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg. Somebody tell me, how often did this man go to the gate Beautiful? Every day. Interesting. Now, this is Acts chapter 3. And this man who's been lame since birth has been going to the gate beautiful every day to beg those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from him. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit at the temple gate. How often did this man used to sit at the temple gate? 
every day. Like, when he got up and walked around, everybody was like, hey, that's the guy. Like, in, in, in a previous neighborhood that we used to live in, there was a lady who would walk between 12 and 20 miles a day. And she would be constantly out walking around. And she bought a little dog. I don't think the dog could handle it, so she would push it in a little cart. And she would walk. And, and you know, our kids just got to recognize, there's the walking lady. And every once in a while, you'd see her somewhere other than the, the sidewalks. But everybody, we just knew. We just recognized. Because she was always there, just a part of the local landscape. People recognized him. Verse 11, it says, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our power or godliness we made this man well? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of your fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. Here's the interesting part of that story. We're, we, most of us have heard that story before. How many of you ever heard that story before? So, this man who was lame from birth, who had been there every day, was needing healing. Peter and, and John prayed for him. He was healed. Peter points out that it was not Peter who healed him. It was God. Now, this is the part I, I want you to note, take note of. How many of you would love to see God use you in a miracle like that? Who did the miracle? Who? God. Peter is clear. He says, why do you look at me like I did this? It wasn't Peter. But here's the thing I want you to notice. God used Peter. And what else I want you to notice? Luke chapter 21, verse 37 says, Each day Jesus was teaching at the temple, and each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives. So, the Bible says that Jesus went how often? each day to the temple and then he would go to the Mount of Olives. Guess which gate you go through when you leave the temple and go to the Mount of Olives? The beautiful. Jesus went each day through that gate. That man was there each day. But when Jesus was there in person, that's not when that man was healed. Anybody get goosebumps? Like, yes, 
God wanted that man to be healed. But he used Peter and John to do it. When Jesus himself could have done it. Here's here's what I want us to, to notice. God wants to use us. Say this with me. I have somebody's miracle. Now, you aren't the one going to do the miracle. Jesus is. But he uses us. Jesus walked by that same man who everybody... He was was a part of the landscape. Everybody knew he sits there. He asks for alms. Jesus went every day to the temple. But it wasn't until Peter walked up to him and said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. God has a pattern, and that pattern is to use us. Luke chapter 10, verse 2, says, these were his instructions to them, Jesus' instructions. He said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Jesus told his disciples to pray for workers. He said, there are a lot of people out there who need God. The harvest They need salvation. They need to know. But he didn't say, pray that more people would get saved. Do you notice that? He didn't say, pray that the harvest will come in. He said, pray for more workers. Why? Because God plans to bring in the harvest through the workers. So he says, pray. The the harvest is there. It's always there. He says, but pray that workers, who are workers? I is. You are. We are the workers. He says, pray that he would send more workers into the field. You realize when we go out there, we don't always even realize what we're carrying with us. You guys remember the story of David and Goliath? Now, we know the story from this side. We know that David is going to show up, and when we, that Goliath, who, is, who has the entire army of the Israelites scared, David is going to defeat him. But what did David think he was there to do? I like to say he was there to deliver pizza. It says it was meat and cheese. All it was missing was sauce. David was there to deliver lunch to his brothers. David didn't realize that he was carrying with him the deliverance of the entire nation. But he was. The miraculous deliverance was with David. It's interesting. The Bible talks about Jesus sending out the 72. He said, hey, go. Go out there. And it says, 
in verse 17 of Luke 10, it says, When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. I mean, just to think, it says he sent them out, and they came back like giddy, like joyfully reporting. Even the, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Verse 18, he says, yes, he told them. I saw Satan falling from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions, crushing them. Nothing will injure you. Scorpions, by the way, were symbolic of demons. So they brought up demons. He says, yeah. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions, crush them. Nothing will injure you. Verse 20. But do not rejoice that evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. He says, you may be all excited that the demons obey you, but that's... That's minor compared to the big thing, which is that you're saved, that you're registered in heaven. It's interesting that God chooses to use people. Do you guys remember the story of Paul before he became the apostle? His name was Saul at that time, and he was persecuting the Christians, and he would go from city to city and, and try to get the Christians in trouble for preaching the gospel. And the Bible says that he was on his way to a city called Damascus when a bright light came from heaven and he knocked him off of the donkey he was riding. And he had this entire supernatural experience where he spoke, the voice came out of heaven and spoke to him. That's pretty impressive, right? Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I, I would like to experience something supernatural like that? Anybody ever thought that? I've thought that. But here's what's interesting about that story to me. Jesus, because he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am he who you persecute. So this is Jesus. Paul talked to Jesus supernaturally. And guess what Jesus told him to do? Go to a street called Straight and wait for a man. Like you have God on the line and he says, here, let me pass you off to one of these people. I mean, that's what happened. Paul was having a direct conversation, a supernatural experience with God himself. And God says, well, before we finish here, I'm actually going to pass you off to another person. And then we read that God spoke to that person and sent him over there to pray for Paul and to work with him. You see, God's MO, his way of working is to use us. He wants to use people. Even when it starts out supernatural, God says, I want to use people. Romans chapter 10 verse 11 says, 
everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Good news. He says that's the best news. That's better than the, the, the powers of the enemy are subject to you. That's better than the demons submit to you. He says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how will they believe in one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. God says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But I want people to go out there and tell them the good news. I want people to be sent out to talk to them. I want them to hear from you. How will they hear unless someone preaches to them? I shared this story to, with you before, and I, and I showed you a picture of my friend Juan Carlos and his family. Juan Carlos was a language teacher in Mexico, young guy, seemed to have everything together. And when I was a missionary down there, there was a group of Americans that were taking Spanish, and he was there, and, and he started hanging out with, with us after class and doing things. And we would bring him to church, and we would talk about God, and we would do all of that stuff. And he, he said... One day he started asking questions and we start going back and forth and he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And this is what he said. He said, if I had met someone like you guys before, I would have gotten saved before. What we didn't know, this was 1999 and he had made plans to kill himself when the clock struck midnight and 2000 came in. He had already written, the, this was like in the summer, he had already written the letter that he was going to give to his parents, he had already planned everything out, he had it all figured out, he just didn't see there was any purpose in life and he was lost. How many people are in a situation like that and we don't even know it? We don't even know, but you know who knows? God knows. And he wants to send us to those people. When we talk about going out and being a light, everybody imagines the most difficult to, to win over person in the world. And they're like, I'm sure God's going to send me to them. It's going to be tough. But you know what? God knows every heart. He knows what's going on. As we've even seen, in Scripture, oftentimes he softens their heart, and, but then he still sends a person. He still sends someone. Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 1. This is another interesting story. It says, at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision and distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. And he 
stared at him in fear and said, what is it, Lord? All right, here we go. Cornelius is having an experience. He's getting to see an angel. The angel said, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up to a memorial, as a memorial before God. Now, send men to Joppa to bring back a man. Cornelius is is having a supernatural experience. He is seeing an angel. And the angel says, go find this guy. Does that mess with anybody's expectation? Like, if I had an angel, isn't the angel going to do it all? Wouldn't an angel do better than I would? That's the way we think. Well, if Jesus was there, then he would have done it. But Jesus went by that man over and over. It wasn't until Peter stepped out in faith that that man received the healing that Jesus wanted for him. When Paul spoke directly to God, God said, I'll finish this up through a man. When Cornelius had a a supernatural experience and spoke to an angel, the angel said, go find this guy named Simon, who is called Peter. He's staying at Simon the Tanner's, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel spoke, who spoke to him had gone. Like, what did the angel do? All the angel did was say, go talk to that guy. Man, we we think to ourselves that all of, like, if if only I saw an angel, then everything would be right. If I could just speak to God, then everything would be right. Here's the deal. God wants to use us. That's why I, I said at the beginning, you are carrying somebody's miracle. Not because you have it. It's because God puts that in us. He wants to reach the world through us. His way of working is not to find, you know what? I'm going to to send Jesus to have all of these encounters with people. I'm going to send angels to... No, he wants us, we people, to do it. So they called, Cornelius called two of his servants, a devout soldier, and he told them everything that had happened to them, and he sent them to Joppa to go get that man. In verse 27, it says, And while Peter was talking with him, Peter went inside, and he found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit the Gentiles, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask, why did you send me? Peter didn't even know. But they, then, then Cornelius explains. He says, hey, we're, we're looking to understand God, know God. And Peter responds, and his whole household are saved. Now, the angel could have done it, couldn't he? We would think. But God wanted to send a person. Here's what I want each and every one of us to understand. You 
are the person God wants to send to someone. Each and every one of us are for someone. One of my favorite verses is Colossians 4, verse 2 and 3. It says, Paul is showing a prayer. He's describing, he's telling this group of people how to pray for him. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. For Paul is, is writing to a church, and he says to them, pray for me that doors would be opened. How many of you think he was talking about wooden doors? No. He says, this is, this is in your Bible. Some of you are like, okay, so you want me to go talk to people, but how do I know, what am I going to do? Where do I start? This is a biblical prayer. Pray that doors would be opened to you. He says, Pray that doors would be opened to you. Paul, Paul, who wrote the Bible, he's saying, hey, I want opportunities. In other words, he doesn't just walk up to somebody and be like, hey, have you heard about Jesus? <laughs> like, Paul was looking for opportunities. He, say, he says, give me an open door. Say, well, what does an open door look like? I'll give you one of my favorite examples was when I was in college, I was studying French, and I found a ticket to, to uh, Paris for 200 it was like 200 or $230 round trip. So I bought it, but I didn't there. I had never been there. I just went. And I prayed on the way. I said, God, give me opportunities Open doors for me. And the first place I showed up at was a hostel, which is like a hotel for backpackers. And I was trying to get in, and it was full. And there was a fellow from Australia who was also there hoping to stay, and they informed him it was full. And they said, but if you guys go across town to such and such an address, there's another similar place, and you can probably stay there. So the two of us start walking together, over there. And, and I'm like, oh, where are you from? What are you doing? He's like, oh, well, I'm from, from down under. I've been traveling around for a few months, and if my money doesn't run out, I'm going to travel around for a couple of more, and then I'm going to go back, and I'm going to pick up a job. Okay. He says, look, how about you? And I start to explain some things, and, and it didn't take him long to realize I was a Christian. And he says to me, so what do you believe about God? That's an open door, right? I didn't have to beat him over the head with a Bible. I didn't have to startle him with a megaphone. I, didn't. I said, God, open doors for me. And the door opens. Now, some of you are, are like, great. I'm even more afraid if it, that it might work. If a door is opened to me, what do I do then? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It's, uh, Paul, again, is telling people 
to pray. And he says, and pray in the Spirit in all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Another translation says that pray that words would be given to me when I open my mouth. So, Paul says you can pray for doors to be opened. And then he says you can also pray that words be given to you. So, this Australian fellow says, what do you believe about God? And so, briefly, I just say, well, I believe God made the entire world. He made everything here. He made man because he wanted a relationship with us. But that relationship needed to be meaningful. And, and if we didn't have a choice, there would be no meaning in that relationship. So he gave us free will. But we chose sin to reject him. And sin and God are like oil and water. They don't mix. So that sin had to be atoned for or removed. And he sent Jesus to die for us so that that sin could be removed and the relationship could be restored. But again, if it happened automatically, then it wouldn't have any meaning. So all he asks is that we accept, that we choose to enter into that relationship. That's what I believe. And he looks at me. In Spanish, we say with square eyes. just means like his eyes got big. And he says... You know, you don't know this. He said, but just a few minutes before meeting you, I went into the Cathedral of Notre Dame. That's that famous building that burnt a while back. And he says, I went in there, and they used to have candles all over the place. And he said, I lit one of those candles, and I prayed, and I said, God, if you're real, send me a sign. And then he looks at me, he goes, I think you're that sign. He says, people have told me I was going to hell before, but I, I, I never made sense. He says, I, I need to read that my Bible. I want to understand. And we got to talking and, and spent quite a bit of time over the next day talking about what it means. Here's, here's the, the, what I want you to, to, to catch from this. I prayed for doors. The doors came. We can pray for words. The words come. We oftentimes sit back and we pray that God's going to do things. Oh, save people, do this. God says, I want you to do it. He doesn't say pray that people get saved. He says pray that the, that the harvest, that there would be workers in the harvest. We can pray for opportunities. We can pray for words. Psalms 2.8 says, Ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Do you realize? A lot of us are kind of sitting around waiting for God to do something. And God's response is, What have you asked me for? Now, I made mention at the beginning that we're going to be doing things a little bit differently on Wednesday night. I want to invite all of you guys to come. 
Here's what's going to happen on Wednesday night. At 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock, we're going to get together right here. We're going to take a few minutes. We're just going to praise and worship the Lord just briefly. Then we're going to watch um, a video message prepared by the folks who just did this powerful conference we were just a part of. And we're going to talk about going out and, and being God's hands and feet in our community, loving on people, praying for open doors, seeing them. And then you know what we're going to do? We're going to go out together in little groups, and we're just going to go pray for open doors and see what God does. We're leaving this room. Did you hear me? So don't be late because you'll show up. We'll be gone. We'll be out there. We're going to be gone for a little bit, about an hour, and then we're going to come back and we're going to share with each other what God was doing. And we're going to watch something. How many of you think that might work? Okay, me too. We had some of that this week. We're going to do this for eight weeks. All right? Now, people from other churches are invited to join us. There were at least, probably more, at least 13 different churches that were uh, participating in a major way at the conference we just went to. All of them have the date and time of our meeting. They can come. There's a flyer sitting on every few seats there. That's not to go hand out to people. That's not a track to get someone saved. That's for you. There's a little bit of information. You can find the website. If Wednesday night does not work for you, there are other churches that are going to be doing the same thing at different times. Okay? I encourage you, if you can't be here Wednesday night, look it up. Find some place you can be. We are going to make an impact in our city. How many of you are with me? All right. I want to encourage you to come. So, Wednesday night, come, 6 o'clock. If you come late, we might be gone. You'll have to play catch-up. But then we'll come back, and we're going to share and encourage each other in what God is doing. I have, I have more notes. I can keep going on, on what it looks like and how to be used by God. I'm just going to mention one more thing. 1 John 4, 8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. What we're doing is really we are loving people on God's behalf. That's what we have an opportunity to do. And God says, you don't have to worry about it. Ask me. And I'll open doors. I could keep going with different stories. I have so, there are so many times. And I, I kick myself sometimes because I don't ask often enough. I remember being on a Christian campus. I was on, a, on Oral Roberts University's Christian campus, the dead center of a place where basically everyone's supposed to be saved, in a garden called the Prayer Garden. Okay, this isn't where you go to evangelize. And I prayed. I said, God, send me somebody. Give me an opportunity. I said, open a door. 
I think I said it that way. I said, open a door for me. I didn't expect him to. I, I was still sitting on the bench. I'm in, I'm in the park, the prayer garden. I haven't even stood up yet. And this guy walks up. He says, hey, I recognize you. We stood in line to get a book, you know, for class the other day. He said, so I'm new to this school. And I keep hearing reference to people accepting Christ. So do you know where I can find a staff person or someone who can tell me how to do that? How many of you think you could handle it if they came and asked like that? Like open the... He says, uh, just looking for someone who can tell me how to get saved. Do you know, can you point me anywhere? Like, yeah. I know. Like, we just... Right there. And I've, I often think to myself, what if I had not asked... What if I hadn't said, God, please, use me, open a door? It brings a whole new meaning to that verse where Jesus says, pray that there would be workers in the field. Because instead of viewing myself as this person who has to go out there and just work so hard to get a harvest, notice God didn't say, pray that there'd be more harvest. We're running out of people to save. None of them want to be saved. Pray that people would want to be saved. No, he says, pray that there'd be workers. Because God, I, I really believe God is up there saying, you know what? I have so many opportunities. I just need people who are willing to say, here I am, send me. Here I am, use me. It is not God's pattern to speak, to use angels. He wants to use the church. And that's us. So, I'm going to wrap up for that. I hope to see many of you guys on Wednesday. Um, it's going to be an exciting time. My goal, my goal for these eight weeks is that our culture will shift that we will become a group of Christians who are excited about being used by God to love others. It's not about becoming a famous uh, miracle worker. Not at all. It's about showing God's love, and one of the ways that God shows His love is by doing miracles. I fully expect to see miracles taking place as we go out. But the point is to be the love of Jesus. All right? So I'll see many of you guys on Wednesday. Let's, let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you love the community that we're in. We recognize that you see everyone and exactly where they are you know who is ready who is looking for a sign lord we ask that you would use us we recognize 
that we are the vessel through which your love and your supernatural power will flow. We thank you for it. We ask for opportunities. We ask that doors would be open. And we ask that you would give us the words when those opportunities come. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you know that your sins are forgiven, that you're right with God, if you passed away, you'd spend eternity with him, I want you to raise your hand. If you don't know, if you wish you knew, if you hope but aren't certain, the Bible says know that you have salvation. It doesn't say hope. It says know. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead and you will be saved. If that's you or if that's you watching, you hope but don't know, but you'd like to be saved, I want to invite you to pray that prayer. Do exactly what Jesus said. And then know that you've been forgiven. With every eye closed, just for a moment, I want to invite those of you who are here and those of you who are watching. If you want to accept that forgiveness and know with certainty, raise your hand and we'll pray together. In case there's someone watching, let's pray together. Are you ready? Dear Heavenly Father, we believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose from the dead so my sin could be forgiven and my relationship with you restored. I choose to make you the Lord of my life and I thank you for loving and accepting me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.